Okay, hello, this is Dr. Greg Allen, and I'm here on the Be Free podcast. We're here today interviewing four outstanding parents, all moms, and although they may not call themselves outstanding, I think they really are, because they've made it uh, through all these years parenting their kids. So uh, personally, I'm a therapist working in the South Bay area. I'm also a director of uh, two nonprofits, Freedom For You and Hearts Respond, which focus on helping families cope through life and succeed. So we're going to jump right into our podcast here. And uh, I'll ask my ladies if you would just go around and just maybe introduce yourself and like what ages are your kids so we can kind of get an idea of what you've been living through here. And who, wa who wants to go second? <laughs> I can go. Um, hi, my name is Kristen and I have four children, 18, 15, 14, and nine. All right. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm Karen, and I have four daughters, 24, 22, 20, and 18. And I'm Paula. I have um, four children. They are 26, 24, 23, all daughters. And the youngest is a son, and he's 14. I am Roma. I have two kids. I have a son who's 21 and a daughter who's 18. Thank you very much. So one of the reasons I asked uh, you ladies to participate as you've had some experience raising your kids. They're all, you know, they've, they've gone into the teen years and some of them beyond the teen years. So there's a lot you offer. And then a lot of, for a lot of the work I do in the community that a lot of uh, elementary school parents are always looking for resources, looking for help. So I think that's maybe a good uh, frame of reference as we're talking. And then maybe even like middle school parents, you know, because Middle school parents are very scared of the teen years and the high school world. And so maybe we can just look at what you've kind of learned from what kind of worked and what didn't work maybe as uh, going through the years. So maybe the first question might be, I know it sounds kind of funny, but if you had to give advice to your younger parenting self, like maybe when your kids were in, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, and, uh, or maybe even when, you know, you didn't have your first child yet, but you were married, like what advice would you give your younger self, like looking looking back now after the experience that you've had let's start with that question how about you karen you want me to start sure. um i would say relax <laughs> relax first and foremost like don't be worrying about school and grades and you know those years are going to go so quickly and you're going to regret um not taking more time to just spend with your kids, mm. just enjoying them, playing, reading, whatever. Um, just so really, enjoy them. So uh, just like simple things doing with them. Because yeah. Reading, hanging out, playing. Playing. Just, are, you, are you saying we're allowed to play? That's okay. Well, so, I mean, I know, and especially, you know, the more you have with four, it's really difficult to find that time. You feel like you're just trying to do things all the time and take care of it and make the meals. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, to, I wish I would have just stopped and played okay. whatever it was they wanted me to play at that moment. Yeah. And then how would you recommend it if someone's thinking in their mind all the stuff they got to do they don't have time to play put it aside it'll it happen and maybe it won't and your life will go on and your kids will be much happier for it oh that's that's great okay thanks 
I would absolutely concur with everything Karen said. <clears throat> Take time for the simpler things. I think a lot of times now when my um, daughters remember things, they don't remember being, you know, a happy memory isn't being driven around to activities or how clean the house was. It's, um, you know, the nights we laid on the couch together and watched the secret garden or something, you know, super simple things. Wow, that sounds great. I agree too with everything they said. I think um, just not being overscheduled, you know, I think it's, it is really hard too with four kids and everybody has their interests, but I think carving out some time for free play or even when your young child says, mom, can you look at this? Instead of saying, wait a minute, you know, I still find myself, I do do that. But in the moments when I just drop it and go look, I find that there's such a deeper connection because I was listening. And I think another thing that really helped, um, I guess this isn't the question, but um, like listening to the kids when they were having feelings or, you know, whether they were sad or happy, just taking the time just to take a moment and, and listen to them. Um, I think sometimes I wanted to, you know, finish that last dish, you know, but the times when I just left it all and just got down on the floor with them and played, yeah. um, that was a really special, yeah, you know, memory for all of them. And I can, I can just see it in their eyes. Even now with my nine-year-old, I, I, I have to remind myself that she still is little, even though she has all these teenage siblings. And, you know, we were just sitting and doing a little puzzle this morning and she just loved that I took the time instead of cleaning up from breakfast. So. Good. How about you, Roma, your younger self? What advice would you give? Well, I was first going to start with saying, wait as long as possible before you have kids. <laughs> if you can, depending on your age. That was my first, because you said before, what would be your advice to your uh, yeah. before having kids? Um, well, okay, let me ask you, what, why, why are you saying that? Because I was thinking about talking about the relationship with the other parent and how to help co-parent and this and that, but go ahead. Well, you... I, just, I just think it's important. Um, I mean, I, I, I married relatively young. I was 25, so I think, you know, time was on my side. And I had my first when I was almost 30. Um, it felt, that felt like a good amount of time for me to, my husband and I to, you know, kind of get into some kind of group. Although you never know what the other person's going to be like when they're, you know, once a kid comes. But um, I just think it's important to have that time, you know, um, kind of just enjoying your own life and before that baby comes along because I, I just feel like, you know, your whole world changes and everything, yeah. you can't, nothing is about you anymore and it's all about your kids and yeah. Um, yeah. It, everything, at least for me, everything really revolved around my kids once they came on the scene. Yeah. Um, so, and it, it's hard. Uh, you such, know. A, such a sacrifice. Yeah, you have to give them that focus. But um, but other than that, I, I concur, and I don't want to be repetitive, um, but I totally agree with what the other three have said in terms of, you know, um, the importance of play. And I don't, so I'm not repeating what they said. I think I would add to that. Um, I remember like, you know, when you're looking for preschools, especially in PV, it was like, oh my God, what preschool are we going to put our kids in? And everybody's, a lot of people are looking for this like, you know, they want to get a jump start and get ahead of everybody else. And so they're looking for these academic experiences. And I took a different route. I really, you know, again, emphasizing the need 
um, and the importance of play, I really was looking for something more like not academic. I wanted something that was socio-developmental. Uh -huh. um, my kids could really explore their creativity. And I think I've given, I have younger, my husband and I are the oldest in our families. And so we have younger siblings, younger cousins. And, you know, sometimes I'm hearing them talk about what they want to do, you know, as far as what they're looking for, for their kids and preschool and this experience and that experience. And I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down. You know, they have their whole life ahead of them for school and academics. And that's the least important thing for kids. I mean, so what, did, what did you do with your kids? What in terms of creativity or what did you put them in, in terms of preschool? Well, I mean, I, we, um, we went to, uh, I don't know if I don't, I don't want to say the name. I don't know if you want me to tell you the name, but it was it's it was a co-op preschool in Redondo Beach. Actually, it wasn't even in Palos Verdes, yeah. and it wasn't every day, all day. It was you know two to three days a week, and um, and it was really like I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I've never done Montessori, but I don't know if this is a similar concept. But like they had like you know stations and centers, and the kids were just basically exploring different things, and and it was really child centered. Yeah. And um, I know one of your other questions we were taught you were going to ask about was, you know, you have different kids. Yeah. How do you tailor their personalities? My oldest has a very, since the day he was born, has a super intense personality and very high needs. And he was a toddler and a baby that you just, he didn't like to be told to do things. Like he didn't, he wanted to do his own thing and run his own program. And so it was really important for me that he not be boxed into, okay, today you have to do this worksheet. And then if you don't do this worksheet, then you can't go out, you know, like I, I just didn't want that. And so it was really important for me. And I, we were lucky that we found a place where mm -hmm. it was like, okay, they have like, you know, this time, like an hour where they're going to go around from center to center. But you know what, if they don't want to do it, if they don't want to spend the 15 minutes at that one place, they can go outside and play. Mm -hmm. And they can build and we have blocks and we have other things that <clears throat> it's up to him what he wants to do, you know, within reason, like he couldn't like go crazy. But, mm -hmm. but it was very important for him and for me that he had that outlet to kind of yeah. discover his own interests. That's good. So let's, let's go with that. So all the kids are different. Rome was talking about her son was different. She recognized it, you know, and sometimes parents don't recognize it. They just figure this is what I'm doing either based on what I, my experience growing up, or this is what I think, you know, a kid should have. And they maybe don't look at the uniqueness of each kid and how to connect with each kid. And, you know, and I know they're all, they're all different. So how did you, how did you deal with that with, you know, I mean, you, you saw the difference in your kids' personalities. And how did you deal with that? Or how did you look at that issue in terms of parenting them, raising them, trying to get the best benefit for them out of their existence? Well, I mean, I was, I was talking about my first and I, to be honest, I didn't know he was different. From, you know, it wasn't until my daughter came along and she's a little bit more easygoing personality. I thought I was, I was like, what? I must be the worst parent because, you know, there was a lot of issues with him as a child because of the, his neediness. And I just thought, oh my God, I must be, doing something wrong um, and I remember even just as a baby like you know he had to be held all day long I could never put him down right. um, you know and I worked when my kids were young and so I just thought oh nobody's gonna be able to take care of him because they have to hold him all day long and and I remember going into the pediatrician's office during one appointment and I'm like you know this kid just cries all day long he won't take a nap he won't sleep and he's very fussy and my pediatrician said you know what he's not fussy he's a high needs baby 
And I mean, it sticks with me to this day. And she, she said, she just has a very positive spin on children. Yeah. You know, they're not bad kids. They're not fussy kids. She said, he's a high needs baby. He will be a high needs toddler. He will be a high needs teenager. Unfortunately, at, you're at 21, he's still a little high needs to be. <laughs> Fortunately, your pediatrician gave you some beneficial advice or recognition. Yeah, because I mean, you know, as a parent, you tend to, especially a new parent, you tend to compare to yeah. other kids and I'm like my kid is not like obedient and he's not you know yeah right right anyway so and when my daughter came along so I think just getting not to drone on and take away from other people's uh, comments but it is important to recognize each kid is different and yeah. you have to tailor yeah how you you know what works for one is definitely not going to work for right right another. well thanks so how about you Karen you had you got four girls, right? Yeah. So with girl, I was going to say, I think it's probably easier when they're different gender. But, you know, with four girls, I really kind of thought they would all just follow in line. <laughs> and they absolutely did not. They are such distinct personalities, each one of them. And I don't know that I went into it thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to, this one is like this and this. You're, I was really discovering who they were as they were discovering who they were. We put them in all the same activities and some of them lasted 15 years in it and some of them lasted one season. <laughs> and then they just sort of eliminated what their interests were. And not only that, but just their whole personalities are so different. They're, you know, I find that I approach them differently. I speak to them differently. You know, I'm constantly telling my husband, you can't talk to that one like that. Like you have to do this and not now. No, now is not a good time. So, you know, every aspect of each one of them is different. And I think if you fight that, you're really in for it later on. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be happy. I, that's probably one of the biggest things I think being a no. parent is you have to accept them for who they are mm -hmm. and you have to let them be who they are or it's you're they're not they're going to resent you and you're going to resent them later on down the road yeah yeah that's good so really noticing their uniqueness their yeah. different personality and then trying to go with that but i like what you said that was interesting uh, you you discovered who they were as they were discovering who they were you know, yeah because i figured they'd all kind of be the same too i signed them up for the same thing and thought oh this is going to be so easy yeah, it's good you have that flexibility. Some parents don't have that. They just do the same, you know, you're going to be good at this or you're going to be that. And, and then quite you a, yeah, and quite honestly, to the end, I mean, my third one did not want to go to college. And that was really tough for me and my husband to accept that. But her interests lie elsewhere. And mm -hmm. we really had to step back and say, we can't push this agenda on her. She's got to be able to discover herself as it goes. And in this community, that's not, you know, looked fondly upon often. And, um, yeah. but it was important to who she is. What is she doing besides college? She's an actress. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I've seen her. <laughs> She's great. Uh, yeah, the uniqueness of your four girls is just amazing. How, how different they are. But you really uh, cultivated their uniqueness and their direction, which is really good for a parent not to take like total control over their kid. I'm controlling this kid. This is my thing, you know, to let and them... that's easy to do. Yeah, I know. I know like, <laughs> it's simpler and not, it's probably not simpler, but you know. yeah. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> how about, how about you Paula for the difference in your kids and how to figure that out or 
raise them in that sense? I mean, I don't want to be repetitive, but everything um, both of those ladies said is just so accurate, you know, and they are so different. And I think you just have to nurture that difference. Mm-hmm. And um, you recognize it along the way. Recognize it. Yeah. And sometimes they take you places that you never, you know, uh, I think when Karen said you, you sign them up and then, you know, some things last 15 years and some things last literally 15 minutes, um, you just have to be okay with that. And like, um, you know, my youngest is, is going down a path that in interest that none of us have know anything about. And it was just almost by a fluke that it was discovered. And that's, so with the ocean great. sailing, sailing. Yeah. Yeah. So super non-traditional and, yeah. <laughs> you know, coming from a, a dad that played sports and, but he's great. Everybody's great with it. So you just kind of have to <clears throat> yeah, have to go with the flow because that's another thing I think. And I, I see this a lot in my um, job too, is people trying to push a passion on students, you know, because (laughs) they want it or, you know, to make them more competitive or whatever it is. And you, I, I I see when a, when kids have a real, real passion and that's not anything that can be put there by a parent. It's, it's internal. It's 100%, you know, organic. So that's my advice is just to kind of nurture that. Yeah, I love that. I wrote that down. Don't push a passion. That's a good No, one. it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it makes, and you know, if you have a compliant child, they might go with it. I, I see kids that do go with it, but ultimately they're miserable. Yeah. You know, and they're missing out on an opportunity to find what their actual passion really is. So. Yeah. And that, that's the converse of that is what your part of a role is to help them find their passion. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of be open <laughs> to new experiences and, you know, it'll come. And sometimes it doesn't, sometimes they don't find their passion necessarily when they're, you know, an adolescent or yeah. sometimes it comes as an adult. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so more than half of the adults who talk to, whatever they majored in in college is not what they ended up doing, you know? Exactly, like, you know, exactly. And I'm finding that with my, um, one of my daughters is that she's discovering her passion now as a young adult and it has nothing to do with anything she's done before. Oh, great. How about you, Kristen? What do you think in terms of uh, the difference in the kids and parenting them and yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much good stuff here. I do agree with everything that everyone said, but um, just to add a little bit to that, I was going to say like a thing that I say to my kids a lot is, you know, I try to be fair, but it's not always going to be even, you know, because everybody has different needs. Um, and that's a big thing. And then we have one son in the mix of the girls and um, he's very chatty and communicative. And I, see with the girls, they want to talk about everything all the time at all, you know, times of the day and night. And I just kind of assumed he would be like that too, because he's so chatty. But um, with him, it really takes us like being on a drive and him like being in the back seat, not, you know, facing me like when things come out or just like he's taught me a lot about parenting. Um, And, you know, maybe it's gender, maybe it's just his personality, but 
I found that, you know, I do have these parenting moments with him that look a lot different than with the girls. Um, and it's interesting, Paula, we, oh no, Roma, we also went to a parent participation preschool in Redondo Beach. So we'll have to, you know, talk about that, that offline, but a big thing that they, um, advocated was, um, to like really listen to the child and develop those social skills. And I do find, um, just especially in like a high achieving community here and just in the world in general, I feel like, you know, all the parents are wanting them to teach them reading at age two or three or four. And my kids happen to read really young and, and everyone's like, what was your secret? And I said, I honestly, like, my kids went to school in their PJs, like, and they were able, they were allowed to like play in the water. And I think actually even like, I have pictures of them being in their underwear in the preschool in the sand, which (laughs) in today's age, that wouldn't happen, but they just got to play and, you know, be themselves. And they eventually learned how to read and enjoyed school. But, um, I think I, in general, philosophy-wise, I feel like I parented from a, a philosophy standpoint, but I definitely can see things working different with um, my different kids. Like one of my children, she doesn't like a lot of the noise and the chaos in our family. So I really feel like we have to like go and separate ourselves for some moments to really like have a connection. So, um, yeah. So what yeah. I'm what I'm hearing is from all of you is you really have to be a, a patient enough and curious enough to have the interest to kind of see what the kid's unique personality is, what they're, what they like, how to connect with them, how to relate with them. And, uh, but at least, uh, you know, slow down and stop and observe and listen to have that kind of orientation. That, that's really great. That's, yeah. Just, I know so many parents that don't do that, which is why we're doing this now. <clears throat> and then, you know, last few years we've been doing a lot of assemblies at the, like I was saying earlier, elementary school parents, and they're just so ramped up with wanting to schedule everything and do everything and get, you know, you know, it is right. And keep their kids up with every goal. So it's, this is really good, valuable information. Okay. So another question, if you had this, you know, I know everything's related here, but uh, again, so what would you, so you're, you're raising a kid as like, to me, like growing something, <clears throat> you plant something in your yard, you got to water it and, it, take the weeds out, have it grow up, and then hopefully one day there's all this fruit coming out of this tree that you've grown that's, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old thing. So what would you say are the overall, like, essential ingredients for a parent to seek to put into their kids as they grow up? What would you say? Um, up, like, you know, two things, three things, or more that to put into that thing that sort of grows up and bears nice fruit one day, whatever kind of fruit it ends up being. Um, I'll jump in. I actually, I was just thinking about this book that I read when the kids were little and it was like my Bible. It was called how to talk. So, so how to, how to listen. So kids will talk and how to talk. So kids will listen. Um, it's by Adel Faber and Elaine Maslish. And actually they actually wrote one for, um, a younger age since then her, her daughter, Joanna, um, Faber ended up writing one for kids ages two to seven, which I haven't read because my kids are older than that now. But um, the original one was, it spanned, you know, from toddler to teens. But um, the one thing that the book says is to really listen to your kids. Um, Like if they're having a big feeling instead of, you know, squashing it, just like taking taking a pause to listen. So 
I don't know if that's like a value that I instilled in them, but that's something that we definitely did all along. And I feel like it gave them the opportunity to like have hope and feel like their voice was important and come to us when they had issues or. So listening. So, so that was a big, that was a big thing that we instilled in Mm -hmm. them. them. Um, Early on, just like with four siblings, I just had zero tolerance for anyone being mean to anyone. And that, like just kind of worked. So like my kids end up really getting along and I don't know if that was it or if I just got lucky, honestly, sometimes I'm just like, was it something I did or (laughs) did, you know, we just get really lucky. So, but that is something like early on, I just said, you know, as soon as there was any of that, I, I did, I did squash the anyone being mean to anyone. So, um, Mm. for what it's worth, but (laughs) That's good. That's good. So listening, uh, being kind to each other, not bullying each other. Those are strong values there. And then obviously finding the uniqueness in each kid. We've kind of talked about that dynamic. Yeah, definitely. Who else would like to share about that uh, essential ingredients maybe to put into this child you're raising? I'll jump in. Um, I mean, I think going along, continuing on that theme, also just empathy and respect. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times as parents, we, you know, we think we know what we're doing sometimes, you know, we're right. And with, especially with little kids, I think it's hard, but I think you have to really try to put yourselves in their shoes. And like, you know, we, we say to do that with other people, right? Try to walk a mile in somebody's shoes, but I don't think we do that enough with kids mm. um, because we think we're adults and we're parents and we know what's right for them. And I think somebody alluded to earlier, you know, we learn a lot from our kids as we go. I mean, I had maybe an idea of like how I should do things or what's the right way to do certain things. And you have to just throw all that out the window because there's no one right way, first of all. And so I think it's important to be flexible, but that empathy for children is so important because um, I don't think our parents did that. You know, I don't think, I think that's a generational shift, honestly is trying to understand things from their perspective. Like when we say, I mean, I think there's a tendency for some parents to say, you know, do as I say, don't question me. Just, I'm the parent, just do what I say. And then, but what are the kids hearing when we say to do certain things? They may not understand why. Um, And I think it is important, even as young as they are, like they could be two years old, they understand a lot and they may not understand everything, but I think it's important to try to explain as much as you can the why and not just, telling, you know, barking out commands. So, um, and then of course the respect goes along with that. I think if you want respect from your kids, you have to show them respect too. Goodness, um, this is wonderful. But I can't, I can't say that I was always perfect in doing that. I know I wasn't. I'm just, you know, you're saying like, looking back, I wish I had given them more respect actually. Um, you know, uh, I think in just like modeling the behavior that you want to see in your kids. Yeah, oh, that's so, good too. Yeah. yeah, that's great. You know, I uh, <clears throat> I help a lot of families, and uh, so what I see a lot of is uh, the opposite, opposite of what we're talking about. So this is really valuable information. So essential ingredients. What what do you think, uh, Karen? Um, well, I would uh, agree with Kristen on the compassion for sure. I think um, I wish I would have probably pushed that a little more just amongst the siblings with four girls. They do argue and there were some pretty big fights all the way through. But um, 
you know, when they're so different, the way they deal with things, it's, it's challenging to get them to understand each other when they don't even understand themselves. But um, that compassion for each other, um, as well as integrity and love would probably be um, the three that I would recommend. Um, and along with what Roma said, I remember when my neighbor, when I just had started having kids and my neighbor stuck a little note in my mailbox once and she had older children and I started reading it. And first I was just so touched as a mom that someone recognized me as a mom and I wasn't the frazzled, you know, and she encouraged me, you're doing such a great job. But she said, remember to let them teach you as much as you're teaching them. And I'll never forget that. And it really, it goes right along with what Roma was saying. And like, sometimes we do think we have all the answers and we're supposed to be teaching them everything. But um, it really made me stop and think every once in a while, like I needed to grow from this whole experience as well and adjust and shift and understand and learn as much about myself in this new role that, you know, they were learning about themselves and in life. Wow. I hear humility there also. Yeah, <laughs> for it's, sure. You're humble enough to have that. Actually, you, med, you mentioned love. Oh, yeah. We can't forget about love. Love. Oh, this is really great. This is amazing. So what if someone finds out that they, uh, you know, you said, let them teach you as you teach them. What if someone has a hard time trying to figure out how to do that? What would you recommend for them, Karen? You know, they're just like trying, trying to run the family, trying to keep up Prop with the Honestly, probably what Kristen's saying, listen, just stop and listen to them. Don't think you have to have all the answers. Yeah. Just stop and listen to them. Wow. That's great. How about you, Paula? Essential ingredients. I'm writing all this down too. <laughs> okay. Well, it's funny because uh, this was going to be my essential ingredient. And then one of my daughters is listening next to me and she <laughs> said what our, our family theme was. And I want to emphasize the love part a long time ago be, when i first started having children um the best oh. advice i think i ever got from anybody was to take care of your marriage first and foremost because oh. they're watching that and that's an example and i think you know and not every family's married they're divorced families single parents but mm. just if you can model that love and i especially growing up in this community i would find that when my girls were little, especially, you know, they'd come home from somebody's house and, <laughs> oh my gosh, this family's so rich, blah, blah. And our theme growing up and what my daughter just whispered to me is I'd always say back, you know, we're rich, we're rich in love. That was always the thing, rich in love. And as adults, I cannot tell you how many times they say that when they hear, you know, a reference that relates to it. So that it's just so simple but it's so important it's a role model too yeah yeah that's great <clears throat> okay so so I, I get this so for a kid what do you think from the kids perspectives next question well what would you say matters most to children uh, from their perspective in terms of uh, your relationship what, what do you think from a child's perspective maybe matters most to them as they're looking at you this tall adult crying up what do you think matters most to them I, i'll start if 
I think ultimately your acceptance of who they are. Um, You know, I wish, and I didn't intend to do this, but I feel like maybe my lack of sharing my own life or my imperfections, you know, which there were plenty, um, they, I think they get this wrong sense that they're supposed to be perfect and that they're supposed to, you know, do it all right and get straight A's. And, you know, I certainly didn't get straight A's and I just feel like um, that's what's most important to them. Um, that connection and that acceptance of who they are with all the imperfections um, and also just sharing your life with them. Like, you know, that's what I find my girls ask me the most at this point in their lives as adults. You never share anything. Like what, tell us about this in your childhood, that kind of stuff. So um, that's me. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to work this computer. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be, that would be me. That would be my, Oh my gosh! Uh, so that, that I hear there. Uh, yeah, again, the vulnerability. Uh, that, that's a whole nother topic. It's a good one though. Like what to share from your past. Yeah. If you have not great experiences. Yeah. Or, but also even now, like your your vulnerability, what you struggle with, or what's difficult, or you know, just being real, being a real person, right? Yes. And I'm sure the kids could get that idea that mom and dad are perfect. You know, when they're little elementary school kids, and and then maybe they can't accept that they're not perfect. You know, and that could create a whole you know, difficulty for them. So what matters most to kids from their perspective in terms of your relationship is the question. Who wants to go next? I'm you go, Okay, just, uh, just to, uh, yeah. something Karen said kind of struck a chord too about accepting them as who they are, but also allowing for their imperfections and letting them fail is super important too, because I know, especially when they were little, I would feel so bad if, you know, they were crying because something happened and your instinct is to kind of go and rescue that and, and help them. So, but you know, they're going to have disappointments and, and that's okay. And I think a lot of times that's counterintuitive for us. We want to fix everything, but um, letting them have some struggles is I think very, very vital. So when you say when you say fail, that means it's okay to get a B. It's okay to get us. It's okay to get whatever. It's fine. I think yeah, with that. And it's okay to get in in big trouble and do something that disappoints us. Yeah. So let them struggle. You you still love that person, but it's okay to let them know that this is really disappointing, and you know you're going to pay the consequences for that. Not to try to rescue them. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. yeah. And you're keeping, I noticed that, you know, so they've made a difficult decision or they got in trouble or they're struggling. But what I see there is you're keeping the relationship with them. You know, yeah. love them. Exactly. And, and I think for, for young parents, I think you all go into it thinking, okay, well, my kid's going to, the worst thing I think you can say is, well, my kid's never going to do that. Because <laughs> you know what? They are going to do something in their life that is going to disappoint you. And you're going to think, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that coming and it's going to happen. And and that's okay because we've all done that stronger for it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, but you, I I think you, I think the worst thing is to do is to try to fix 
that yeah. problem instead of letting them learn from it. Yeah, yeah. learn how to cope with whatever's happening. Exactly. Kind of walk alongside them, yeah. Yeah, even if it's painful. Yeah, right. That's great. I mean, a lot of recommendations the last few years about that, not rescuing your kids and letting your kids mm-hmm. experience real life. Because we, we know the world is, the world isn't like a safe, loving place like our home is. So they need to be prepared for like the rough and tough world out there. Yeah. So what do you, what I think do you, too, like um, adding to that, which I think is so important is like often I find myself, I have to take my, um, like my ego out of it. Maybe that's not exactly the right word, but just like separate myself from the disappointments. And instead of like feeling it as if I'm the ch- my child feeling it, I just have to, you know, know that that's their journey and I'll be there to support them, but I shouldn't feel those big feelings along with them. Um, I think that's, it can, it can be so disappointing, you know? Um, and I think that goes from like when they're toddlers and they, you know, make mistakes or you want them to be like the best on the soccer team or, you know, and they're not, or, you know, to, to middle school and different struggles that they have, or, you know, trying out for something and not making it or just any, any of those, you know, just know, like having your kids know that you're there for them, but you're, you're okay. (laughs) You know, um, it's just, you know, what is that word, Greg? I'm trying to think of it, but just, is it like autonomy or, you know, um, I, I find that that would be a really good skill as a parent, you know, raising kids. Yeah. I think that's, Part of the word there is a freedom. You're giving them freedom to be independent, freedom to be their own person, freedom to sort out whatever happened, to, you know, learn from their experience mm-hmm. versus being like controlled or monitored or they can't think for themselves. Like we, this whole thing of, they said 40% of college freshmen can't, can barely get through freshman year, you know, and yeah. they use like the best colleges. It's just, and that's, you know, unbelievable statistic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally sense of independence isn't there or how to function or what do you think about that Paula and well yeah I, that's true and I think when they do and they will make you know some big mistakes I think it's important to remind them that this mistake does not define the rest of your life it's going to be fine you know you're you're not going to be stuck here it's not going to ruin your life it's not going to you're going to grow from it and move on yeah, that's good. So this might be a difficult uh, question to look at, but uh, often there's another parent. <laughs> and for you, so it's a guy. I'll see in the future if I can actually get some men together to do this here. They'll probably just say my wife does everything and she's great. No, I'm kidding. But uh, uh, so how do you, you know, co-parent or how do you deal, you know, when you have a difference of opinion about how to deal with a situation that happens or a strategy you're trying to do with your kid or the way you think they should be guided and how do you deal with that with your other with your partner and figure out you know how do we work together here how do we reconcile differences or how do we you know uh, how do you deal with that well how would you what would your recommendation be for someone to deal with the other parents of the of your kid you know whether they're married or they're you know step family or whether they're not they still have to kind of co-parent and try to work together and be as uh on the same team as much as possible, philosophy-wise, strategy-wise, communication-wise. Otherwise, because we know how kids can kind of work work one parent against the other or find a, the vulnerability to get what they want from the other parent when one says no, that kind of thing a little bit. 
What, what do you think about that, Roma? What, what, what's worked for you in terms of co-parenting with your- I was gonna go last on this one because I think there's qualified people here to answer that one. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it can be real difficult when you, you have different opinions. We're talking about differences, right? So difference in a man and a woman, difference with you know their background of your, of your other parent what their childhood was like, because a lot of times we just do the reflection of our childhood. Whatever happened in our family, we kind of do that and we have to relearn new ways of parenting or new ways of relating and then. Yeah, I mean, I think like what Roma said earlier about like taking time before you have kids. Um, mm. If you're gonna go back to that, you know, former self, I think like establishing maybe your parenting philosophy like in a general sense, because you know, once you have kids that could also change, you know, specifically and practically, but um, I do feel like if you had conversations about that, like early on in an ideal world, you know, but I do have to say my husband offers a lot to the table with the kids that I, you know, don't offer them. Like I'm a bit more emotional, you know, and um, he jumps in when, you know, we need someone that maybe isn't as, you know, emotional. And so he, you know, he also is, great with helping them with um like he'll he'll read their english papers just to like he likes to stay up a little later at night when they're up doing their, their homework and he offers that to them whereas i kind of offer them the as a confidant and, and and things that they they talk to me about but um i think there's room for both but i do feel like if you're aligned generally um in yeah, like the philosophy <sighs> You know, but obviously that probably is the biggest challenge, I think, in families and co-parenting or, you know, if you're. Yeah. So I kind of hear there what you're saying is what we're talking about with kids, too, is uh, maybe finding your other parents' uh, strength, finding out what they're good at and finding out what you're good at. And then you kind of uh, tag team work together to, you know, versus looking at the, the differences and clashing, you know, so kind of giving space for the other person's, you know, strengths to happen in the family in terms of the parenting. I mean, you talk about having a parenting philosophy, and I don't, I don't think I did that. Even though we had waited a few years to have kids, I don't think we had any real discussions about what our parenting philosophy was. But I think a lot of it just developed on the go. And I think the thing about being on the same team, of course, we all know is, is so important to present that united front. And it's hard because I know there's many times my husband and I have different way of approaching things. And we, my husband and I are both very strong personalities. So poor kids, you know, um, it's just, uh, I, I think we would sometimes have like these sidebars, you know, like we knew something, if we knew something was coming up, like there was an issue, we would, I would literally say, let's talk about this privately before we, you know, confront the kids and how we're going to deal with that. And a lot of things, a lot of times you don't have that time because say the kid does your child does something bad or you know they got into trouble and you don't have that time to have that moment but um I no, sometimes it'll be just like a look you know like okay we need to be we need to be like together on this um but i would say it's almost easier when they're younger because i think the things that they get into when they're younger you know are they're smaller issues and smaller problems and i think it's more it was easier to be on the same page when they're younger. Now as they become teenagers and young adults, I think there's a lot of, at least in my house, a lot of philosophical differences on like how much autonomy that kids should have, how much freedom, how much independence, based on what we did as teenagers and young adults and our own experiences. And so there were times, so I think 
while it's important to have a united front, I think it's okay for the kids as they're older to see that the parents may have different thinking. And to the extent possible, you know, we, if we could speak openly about that, I think it's good for the kids to see that, you know, mom and dad don't necessarily always think the same, but if, if you can show that you're willing to listen to the other parent too, I think that's good for the kids to see. It's a, it's a way of problem solving. They can see how you're working something out. Um, it just goes back to like that modeling, you know, thing again. So it's hard. It's, it's, I would say that's, that's a big issue, you know, for parenting is just being on the same page with your partner. Um, yeah, that's good. That's a good, a good advice there to, to realize you have to work together. And then if a struggle or a conflict comes up that we need to talk privately, let's, you know, brainstorm a little bit how to deal with this situation here. And not only that, I mean, going back to the earlier question of like, what, what would a kid want to, what was, what does a child want to see yeah. in, you know, what's their perspective? I think um, the honesty and openness um, and the, I guess the vulnerability, you, you touched upon that, but saying you're sorry when you realize you made a mistake to your kids or to your partner, right? And I think it's so hard for many of us as adults to especially apologize to our kids because, yeah. you know, why do you have to apologize to your kids, you know? But I think when they, there are the few times that I've done that, I've said, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Like I shouldn't have said that or yelled or, you know, whatever it was, or I should have let you go to that place. It wasn't a big deal. You know, it, it just like it, they were stunned and dumbfounded to hear the words, I'm sorry. That's wonderful. That's huge. So humility again, humility. Yeah. We're not, we're not perfect. We're not above them. Mm -hmm just another person but, the, but what a great thing to role model because we'd like our kids to apologize or hold themselves accountable if they've made a mistake or did something wrong or crossed the line so definitely that's the best life lesson you can do is you know modeling it yourself versus telling them you know to be this or be that that's great so what do you think paulo about co-parenting kind of theme similarities differences with your other parent yeah i think you just have to i, I think it's pretty much been covered finding the strengths okay. um, for sure. But um, just communicating constantly. I think we just are constantly communicating about things. You know, yeah. I don't know that there's a philosophy. Yeah. yeah. I think we kind of shot from the hip a lot, but we always spent a lot of time talking about things. Yeah, that's great. That's great. How about you, Karen? I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I don't know that like Roma, Roma and Paula said, like, I don't know that there was a philosophy like that we sat down and said, okay, what's your philosophy on this? Um, but I think you kind of realize again, learn while you're going through it all, right? Like what's working. And, and like Kristen said, having that look of, hey, we need to talk about this. I think it was Kristen. Um, talk about this before we approach it with them or just, okay, you know, as they come, <clears throat> your child comes freaking out about something, then you're like, hey, okay, calm down. We're going to discuss this and we'll get back to you and mm -hmm. figure out where we are on it. And again, if we don't agree on it, if that's okay too. And, you know, at least at the point where my kids are now, all supposedly adults, um, they, they, uh, you can only, there's not much you can do. I, ha I do have to tell my husband that sometimes like they're adults now. We can't tell them how to do this. Like this is their yeah. choice. They get to make it. 
and we get to live with it. Okay. Well, this is really good. You know, I mean, one of the reasons I asked uh, you ladies is because uh, I directly or indirectly kind of know a lot of your kids. And uh, that's, that's uh, why you're on this podcast because of them, what you've created, what you've helped to create there. You know, there's a lot of them just to really uh, have great character and honesty and, you know, everything that's good in them as people with everything we're talking about, compassion and, you know, knowledge and commitment and discipline. So you've done everything you're saying here is, is you know, we're pulling out the really good ingredients that why these, these kids, your kids are done so well. It'd be great to interview them about you, right? That'd be a whole nother. That would be good. <laughs> okay, so I, I got to ask, this is our final question because we like to talk about drama here. So in the COVID-19 times, not COVID-20, even though it's 20, uh, <clears throat> So any recommendations for parents in these, with the quarantine world we're living in now, going through? <laughs> There's two things, when I saw this question, there were two things that I thought of specifically, is gosh, I mean, in my own life, with my computer sitting here, I'm, I feel like I could be at work all day long, 24 seven. And that really scares me with kids being home. You know, my kids are older now, so that I don't have that issue. But having kids who are doing school at home, you've got to separate. You, I mean, that's really probably a challenge for them. But there's got to be that they still have to feel safe and at home being mm. there. They can't feel like they're at school all the time. Like, and if that means maybe designating the time and then when school ends, school is over and go play in the other room or a space specifically that that's school over there and we don't go in there unless it's school time. Mm -hmm. um, that would be the big one for me is um, not letting school take over the home. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. So separation there you're saying, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Wow. Okay. And I think modeling that too, which, you know, the last yeah. couple of weeks, getting ready for the school year, I haven't been a great model. Cause like Karen said, like I'll have my computer out and at 10 o'clock be answering emails, which is wrong. And, and then you're, I'm setting a bad example, you know? So um, I think everybody kind of has to do the same thing and have downtime away from yeah. school, everything. That's a challenge. Some parents are working from home also, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, normally I don't, I don't know, maybe people do work the whole time, but normally I wouldn't be, um, you know, if now with an office set up in my dining room, basically it's, it's a lot more tempting to just yeah work all the time. And so I think we have to set that example. That's great. I haven't really heard that idea before just now. So that, that's really good not making the whole home environment all about work or school. Yeah. I was, when I saw this question too, I, it actually um, has come up so much lately because we've been up and down over here and um, we were, we've been really strict in terms of like, my, and it's because of my kids choice too. Like they haven't wanted to go many places, but the one thing that it works every time and it seems so simple is literally just getting outside and going for a walk. It could be like, we could all be so down and then just something about literally just walking around the neighborhood. I, I, I 
we kind of giggle now, like just, oh, we feel better. The air, the, you know, uh, and we're very lucky where we live that we can totally do that. Um, you know, along those lines, you know, also exercise has really helped. And I feel like our kids were so active before and exercise was just kind of built into their life. And it wasn't anything that we actually had to um, make time to do. And now it's definitely something that they have to do, um, make, make time to do, you know. Um, and then all four of my kids actually are learning guitar right now. Um, so that's been, you know, nice. It's been on Zoom, but the guitar teacher actually came last week and sat in our driveway um, with his mask on and my kids had the mask on and it was just so lovely. It was like the highlight of the last month, you know. Um, but there's all sorts of ways you can do that too. Like if you're on a budget, you know, there's, you know, you, there's so many YouTube videos that they also have been using to enhance their lessons. And um, I don't know, I, I love that about, um, separating the school from the home. I did see something yesterday for younger kids where they actually took a um, trifold um, poster board and they like decorated it with um, some like cool visuals and put the child's name on it. I think it was like Nolan and they had that around the child's like uh, workspace and so when they went to school they were in that and then they took it down. So it was like Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was actually super cool. Um, I thought I'm going to tell all my friends, the younger kids to, to do that. You know, if you don't have a designated desk here, or even if you do just to make it yeah. also very visual and fun, you know, so. Yeah. So much of the online experience is our background, what's behind us. So creating a, like a school kind of private personal you know, space there. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Just to, you know, I mean, it's like buy a trifold for a couple of dollars at, you know, the store and just decorate it yourself. It's super yeah. easy. Yeah. How about any thoughts, Roma, about parenting in the COVID era? I mean, I, I don't envy parents with really young kids. I think it's, it's that's probably, they have a one of the biggest challenges with just keeping them entertained and um, doing their work and doing your own work. So um, I think the whole thing with this, the screen time is so, so interesting too, because we don't, in, even aside from COVID, we all want to be on, we want to be on our screens less. I you know I need to be on my screen less. My kids definitely do. And this just makes it, like it just throws all of that out the window because their whole world now is, you know, on the computer and their school and their, a lot of their social, socializing now too that way. So I, I do think I agree with, um, what the others have said about trying to, you know, create those boundaries. And, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of like structuring and over and scheduling kids time and days, but I think in this circumstance, this is one area where you do have to maybe say, okay, at this time, all computers off and, you know, we're going to go outside and yeah. we're going to do something different. Um, yeah. And actually I was, I was interested in talking to the other moms too. Um, this was before COVID, but I thought, and and now, especially during COVID, I thought, I wonder if we waited a little longer with electronics for our kids and like social media. And not that we were on the younger side, but I still feel like I let my kids, you know, get Instagram in middle school and maybe it would have been better to wait till high school. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now, especially there's just, it's all so much electronics, but I'm wondering if that's anything that yeah. you thought about like your former self, if you would have waited longer or what you see. Yeah, a lot of parents, I did some you know, parenting 
thing in elementary school and that they're all asking, you know, what age should I get my kid a phone? You know, when they're second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, when, when should I let them get on social media? Do I monitor it or not? That's a whole nother area. I was gonna say, that's a whole nother hour at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. There's a really good website for, it's called connectsafely.org, connectsafely.org. It's got all the technology stuff for parents, keeps up on what's current. It's really, really good. Okay, so a final conclusion here. I want you just to think of one word. I know it's hard to summarize your whole life existence as a parent with one word. One word that you think is important for parenting and just what would that word be? Let's just go around and say that. Engagement. Engagement, okay. I guess I'm gonna go back with listening. Okay, good, good. I'm gonna say lucky. <laughs> I feel like a lot of it was just. <laughs> okay, good. Um, just love, you know? Yeah, that's great. Well, again, I wanna, I wanna thank you for your time, ladies. And uh, I know you're, all humble and you don't feel like you're a super parent or anything because you know your uh, frailties and the struggles you've gone through just to get this far in life but uh you are a good example for so many parents and I really a lot of good uh, gold nuggets in this time we've had together i'm going to write them all up too and include them so people can actually read them and reflect on them and think about them and then uh, practice them in our lives so uh, thanks for your time we'll, we'll conclude for now and uh we'll hope to see you around the corner Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.